Good morning, everybody. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. Good to be here. Um, I'm Pathfinder Sabbath. Why don't we just say a prayer before we get started? I promise this won't be too long or heavy. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you again for being with us. Thank you for Pathfinders. Thank you for... Thank you that we live in a world and a universe that is held together by you. And as we talk about that for a little while this morning, we ask that we would better understand that your spirit would be here with us. And so that in our lives, we would have a, a deeper sense and, and we would partake more of, of letting you hold us together in ourselves, with yourself, in our families, in our communities. And we thank you for being with us now. In your name we pray. Amen. So um, the, the title that I came up with for this morning is um, Holding It All Together. And I'm sure you could think of lots of directions to go with a title like that. Um, maybe to set a little bit of the background. Uh, I was talking yesterday as we were driving back from Arizona with my mother-in-law and actually asked her a question that I think about. Because as I think about my children and pathfinders and, and youth, uh, children and youth these days, I think they have challenges that we didn't, a lot of us didn't probably have as much when we were young. Um, I've heard many times that for um, students, high school students entering college, the, uh, the, the scores are higher than they've ever been. You know, our kids are smart, right? We have access to information. If you want to know anything, if you want to know about the POTU bird, just type it into Google and you're going to know about the POTU. Um, you don't have to order a book. You don't have to do anything more. Just type it in there, and, and boom, you got information and pictures. So, so we got a bright group, right? Our kids are smarter than us. We, we only tell them that once a year. Um, but our kids are smarter than us. However, not only the scores were higher, but also the, the level of mental illness was higher, too. Um, because we, we have a crisis uh, today. We have a lot of information. And, and that information sometimes becomes everything to us. And we forget what it is that's going to hold us together. Right? What do we do with all of this information? Sometimes we think that information is really what we need in life. We just need to know more answers, more facts. And I think our current condition in this world today demonstrates that that is not true. Um, we have not, in our society and in our culture, we have not arrived to a higher level of functioning than, than we were at two or 300 years ago. And we could discuss how you'd measure that and whether that's true or not. That's not my point today. Um, but when you look at what is happening in, in society, there are things that are falling apart. Um, I think we would all agree with that. 20 years ago, Columbine was, was the first of a kind. That had never happened. Unfortunately, now we have that happen almost monthly, if not more. Um, it's touched our own community. And, and so what is it that holds us together? What is it that, that weaves that fabric that is going to keep us from falling apart? Um, that's kind of the backdrop of my few thoughts this morning. I'd like to start in looking at this question uh, with a few examples from nature. Um, and, and we're going real little here. Um, I hope this doesn't bring back bad memories for anybody. Um, <laughs> this is a, okay. Pathfinders, does anybody know what this is? An atom. Good, I was hoping. I didn't want to tell you, because then they'd think I stacked the deck. <laughs> but I was hoping you knew that. So this is an atom. I think we um, most of all know this. So, so really, um, 
There's more, there are smaller things than atoms, but the atom is probably considered the smallest functional unit of, of matter, even though there's quarks. And I was looking this up, and they've invented new things since I went to school. Um, and smaller, yeah, smaller than the atom. I, I'm not even going to go there. Most of us know the atom, and you guys aren't smart enough yet to challenge me. So um, we'll just stick with that. But the basic elements of the atom, you have a nucleus here. The nucleus is made up of protons and neutrons. Um, protons and neutrons, protons have a positive charge, neutrons have no charge. Together, they make the nucleus. There's approximately the same number of protons and neutrons. And of course, you have different sizes of atoms, and they all vary a little bit. But what is it that holds protons and neutrons together? It's kind of interesting. Um, there's lots of different names for this, but it's called the strong force. Okay, the strong force. It's the strong nuclear force, but it's really the strong force. This right here, what holds protons and neutrons together, is the strongest force known in the world. Um, on the order of, if you compare it to gravity, it is, 30, on the, it is 1 times 10 to the 36 times stronger than gravity. Okay, so gravity is not real strong. This is the strongest force here. This holds protons and neutrons together. Now I have a question for you. I have a question for the physicists. Why is that force there? Where did it come from? Anybody know that? God put it there. I agree. I mean, you know, when it comes down to forces, we really don't know. We don't know why. We can just measure them and describe them. But God put it there. Exactly, um, because they can't. I mean, from, 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 a, from a perspective that does not believe in the creator. So, okay, protons and neutrons, the strongest force known in the universe, um, in you know, the physical and a natural world that we can measure and describe. Now, let me ask you a question. What happens when that force um, is overcome? Or what happens when um, these protons and neutrons break apart? Boom, right? Disaster. So there's a fancy name for it called fission. Um, so when these break apart, it's called fission. Um, it is the, the probably largest, what they would call exothermic reaction, where you generate more heat and more power than anything else that we know about. And we obviously have a recent example in the 1940s in, the United, in Japan. So the atomic bomb. Right? It's all here. So it is the strongest force. When it falls apart, you get a huge explosion. Things fall apart right? in a big way, bigger way than we've ever seen in the history of the Earth, I think we could say. OK, so that's the nucleus. So then outside the nucleus, we got these little guys zooming around here. What do we call them? Electrons. electrons. OK, electrons move at the speed of light around the nucleus. What keeps the electrons circling around the nucleus? They are. The, so they're um, different forces. Electrons are negatively charged. That negative charge is attracted to this positive charge on the protons, and so they fly around. Um, we have a fancy name for that force as well. It's called the electromagnetic force. So much weaker. This force is much weaker than the nuclear force. Um, OK, so you have the electrons, but it's still strong. Um, it's maybe two or three orders of magnitude weaker. Um, OK, so that's the, that's the atom. That's what we're all made of. 
all right? This is the basic building block of life. And, and what can we learn from it? Well, a few basic things. If things don't hold together, um, there's going to be a lot of damage that happens. Um, and, and on the other side, if things do hold together, then um, you can build things, right? You can make wonderful things out of these. There's just another representation of an atom. Um, it, it's really, I mean, you know, these are tiny. You can't see them. Um, but fascinating to think about that this is what makes us. Circles and forces holding together. Okay, well maybe just take one example then um, of what happens when you put more than one out, because we rarely, rarely have one atom, right? So water. Um, I put I was going to ask you guys, but chemistry is another year or two off. So the water molecule, okay, so you got the nucleus here, um, this H, that stands for hydrogen, and you got the electrons going around the nucleus, and then you got oxygen with the nucleus and the electrons going around there, a little bit bigger, and then they share. Right, they, 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 they're happier when they're sharing. Okay, so you have these individual atoms, but then the hydrogen and the oxygen come together and we get something beautiful called water. Now, water seems pretty simple, but water is not simple, right? Water is the basis, I mean, people say, scientists would say, water is the basis of human life on Earth. We wouldn't exist without it. The fact that we have it makes um, life possible. And yet, you know, in its simplest form, water is these atoms holding together in a certain way because of these forces, mainly the electromagnetic force, holding these atoms together in order. And we get water. Who, who likes water on a hot day? Oh, man, it's wonderful. We've been in the desert the last three weeks. Water makes all the difference. Um, okay, so not just that, but at different temperatures, water forms differently. Um, this is interesting because when it's, when it's a gas or water vapor, they're just flying around. You know, they're, they're associated but kind of free. Um, when you have liquid water, they, they arrange themselves, right? So they're all together. Um, then you get ice. It's got a grid. It's kind of stuck together there. So this is the way water holds together. Okay, now when you think about what that actually looks like in life, it's a whole different thing, isn't it? It's not boring. It's not like these little grids and diagrams. It's beautiful. I mean, here you can see the all three different types of water. Abby, what, what are the three different types of water in here? Do you know? Lake. The lake. That's liquid water. The snow. snow, that's right. That's frozen water. And the clouds. And the clouds, <laughs> right. So you got all three phases here. And they all look different, right? They all do different things for us. They all have their own special, unique um, characteristics, and yet they're all together. And if we were to really look a little bit further, we would see that this is not just clouds by themselves up here, snow by itself down here, lake here. We would see that these are all connected, right? Because pretty soon those clouds are going to rain or snow. Um, sooner or later, this snow is going to melt, and it's going to go into this lake. And then this lake is going to evaporate some water back up into the clouds, and it's just going to go around, right? And, and it's going to be this circle, I mean, another circle, um, another way that things in this world hold together, the way that God has created them. Okay, one, maybe one more example. Um, Jedediah, what's this? Earth and the moon. Earth and the moon, very good. What holds the earth, what, what, really, what holds the moon to the earth? 
Gravity, good. We've all heard of gravity. Um, next question, why is there gravity? God made it, that's right. That's all we got, it's there. But if it wasn't there, what would happen? It'd be a disaster, wouldn't it? So gravity holds this moon circling around this, earth, around this earth, as well as billions of other celestial bodies, right? These are magnanimous forces. Gravity itself is not very strong, but it holds the, the cosmos together in a sense because God made it that way. Okay, so if we take a picture of the Milky Way. Oh, it's kind of pretty, right? That's an infrared picture of the stars in the Milky Way. Um, gravity is what keeps this in order. I mean, it might not look like there's a lot of order there from this point. I think this is actually a photo. It's a near-infrared X-ray photo of the Milky Way. But when you put it all together, if we were able to take ourselves out of the galaxy and take a photo, you'd see a lot of order in our galaxy. Um, this is not a photo, because we can't do that yet. But this is what most uh, astronomers think our galaxy looks like with, you know, you have this inner core. I mean, if you think about it, this is very similar to an atom. You have this inner core, um, which is attracting all these other celestial arms. You probably can't see it, but the sun is here. So our little galaxy is there. And or Orion is there as well. So, you know, and, and our galaxy is not, our, our sun is not very big for suns. Our galaxy is not very big for galaxies. And there are hundreds of millions of these in our universe. So you think about that. What, what holds it together? It is the way that God created it. And, um, you know, you, just to, to read a little bit more, um, this is the natural world, right? This is how God created the natural world, and it's, it's being pretty o obedient. Was, except for when we made the atom bomb and a few other times. Those nuclei are holding together. Those atoms are holding together. We have water. It cycles, and it's a little bit off in some places right now, and that happens in this world. But um, for the most part, nature is being obedient. What about human beings? How are we doing? <laughs> Not very good, right? We, we've kind of broken free of all these laws, natural laws. Um, and really the, the, the foundational principle law of God's universe and his government which is love, right? We've kind of broken free of that and we've gone off and done our own thing. Now, you know, if I was to go back and, you know, we already said, if this, uh, if this moon just decided to break free of gravity, if it could, you know, it'd be out there somewhere, probably crash into something sooner or later. Um, if the electrons, neutrons, protons decided to break free from their forces that hold them there, there'd be disaster, right? But, but they don't have a choice. Human beings do. And so I just want to read a few words, um, the whole passage from Colossians about the solution for this, because I think it's actually a very simple thought that God is always working to hold things together. And we really want to work together with him. So Colossians 1, starting from verse 15. This is talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, the atoms, the cosmos, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. I mean, how many of us can see an atom? Not very many. Um, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I would suggest to everybody this morning, especially my children, the Pathfinders, that the strongest force in the universe is not the nuclear force. It's a strong force, right? The nuclear force, it's strong. When you break it apart, you get disaster. I'd suggest the strongest force in the universe is the cross. And it will be for eternity. Because there's no other time in the history of the universe that we have so clearly seen love. That love was demonstrated through Jesus when he came to our earth, when he gave up everything he had in those cosmos, came down, he humbled himself, and he gave his life in an act of selfless love for us to bring us back into orbit in a sense, because we were flying up. We were off on our own, human beings, you know, we just cut loose, free cannons, electrons without a nucleus, whatever you want to think, um, moons without a planet, planets without a sun. And yet Jesus, I mean God, through his eternal plan, sought to bring things back. Right? That's always God's work. In him, all things hold together. He sought to bring us back by, by sending Jesus down to earth to rekindle that love in our heart, to convince us that we could trust and love him, bring us back into his solar system. So here's a picture of our solar system. Um, we probably all have seen and know this one pretty well. Um, I'd like to think about this a little bit differently. Um, I was going to put a picture of the cross on there, but I couldn't get it on there looking very good. But think about it this way, that, that God and, and understanding his love is really what centers us, right? Without that, we're just kind of random. You know, we're like an asteroid or, or a comet or something just flying around waiting to, to bust into something. But, but when we come into... God's solar system, when his love changes our hearts, when he reconciles us through his love and his blood shed on the cross, then we come into orbit and, and we start to hold together that we are so changed and transformed by, by him that we have our center. We have our, we have our bearings. Gravity now, once again, has, has a little bit of um, influence and force on us. And, and we're not going to be falling apart. And I really think that, that as, a, as a society, especially as the, for the young people in our society today, this is what we need the most. We need that grounding. We need to know um, that it is God who holds all things together. It's not keeping up with our group. It's not getting ahead in life. It's not making a lot of money. When he doesn't hold things together, we've seen that doesn't work over and over and over again. But it is God who holds all things together. And he's promised to do that for us as we follow him. Um, there's a quote that maybe you could read uh, later in the first chapter of The Desire of Ages. Um, I'm not going to take the time to read it now, but Ellen White basically says that all of creation obeys God's law, even under sin. His handwriting still remains. There's nothing in, in our earth that lives only to itself, except for the selfish heart of man. We are the only ones who are out of order. We're the only ones who've cut loose from the force of God's love. 
And yet we've influenced, obviously we've influenced creation. And yet creation's still obeying. God's waiting for us to obey and to be compelled by his force of love in our daily lives. So as a closing verse, I'd just like to read a well-known verse from Malachi. Um, Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. I don't think this will be unfamiliar to most of us. It's talking about the end of time, the day of the Lord. And it says, But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. You know, I think we think about God as a son many times in the way we picture things, um, as the Bible portrays him that way. And yeah, I think we usually think about God's son properties being light, and, and, and they are. I mean, clearly, God is glorious and, and full of light. And yet, it's not only light, I'd like us to also think about God's son properties as gravity, right? as the center of our universe. When God becomes the center of our universe, when everything in our life revolves around him, then things are going to hold together. Right? When he's not, when, when he's not in the middle and we're doing our own thing for our own reasons, it's when things fall apart. And I think we could all say that we don't need anything more to fall apart in our world as it is today. So thank you for...